You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Welcome back, everyone, to more of the Greeks Gridiron. I am Ethan Hrissadulu, and today I am continuing with the draft grades, and we are talking the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steel City, as we go through each and every single team of the NFL draft. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. We just hit 400 subs. I have a big channel announcement that I will make uh, probably sometime later today or tomorrow, whenever I have some free time to throw together the video. But to celebrate our road to 500 subs, I will have a little fun thing to be doing with you guys. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Also, my Steelers fans, Comment down below, how are you feeling about this year's draft class with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Do you like what they did? Do you not like what they did? What would you give them for a draft grade? And most importantly, hit that like button if you agree with me. So let's break it down. We'll start with day three, then we'll jump into day two, and then we will finish off with their day one selection of Kenny Pickett. I will say that the first two days of the draft appealed to me a lot more than their day three selections. And starting with the day three, we'll kind of break that down. You have four picks that we're looking at here, starting from round four into round seven, with round four, pick 33, being the uh, wide receiver pick Calvin Austin the third out of Memphis. Then in round six, you're looking at Connor Hayward, the tight end from Michigan State. You then got Mark Robinson, the linebacker from Mississippi, and then Chris Oladokun from South Dakota State, both in round number seven. I will start with the very bottom selections. Uh, and the Chris Oladokun one, I gave this a D-plus grade, and the reason being is I understand wanting to have bodies and competition in camp, especially when you're bringing in a rookie QB1, but you have Mitchell Trubisky already. You also have Rudolph as well. I just don't really understand this selection here when I think that there had to have been a player at a position of need, like potentially even offensive line, who is as much of a project as Oladokun is, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, that you could have brought in here and secured for your team as opposed to maybe relying on UDFAs or something like that. It just doesn't really make much sense to me here. And I know I'm nitpicking the seventh round, but at the end of the day, like you only get so many draft picks and this is so you can secure guys that you know you want. Whereas like you're kind of fighting with other teams for the undrafted free agents and getting their services. So it just doesn't really make sense to me. You already have three QBs before him and then you take him in the seventh round. Offensive line is a position of need, I'd say, considering what has gone on with the Steelers offensive line the last couple of years and the amount of players that have left. So... I just find it odd that you're taking a quarterback in the seventh round and not maybe just trying to find like the best project offensive lineman you can find to work with. Interesting selection. I gave it a D plus. I'm not a fan of it. And Mark Robinson, the linebacker out of Mississippi. This one I gave a D more so because while there is some good potential there that you could like when you look at his game film, he only has one full season as a linebacker. He is a running back turned linebacker. So he's this is a, this is a full-fledged project and an in, inexperienced project at that, which kind of worries me a bit. Again, as kind of like a wasted pick when you're when you need offensive linemen over there in Pittsburgh. I know they worked on it a little bit in free agency, but there is definitely still work to do with this group. And and seeing two picks like this, where you're getting essentially like a camp body, who is Oladokun really going to make the roster? I mean, we don't know, but. And then you look at Mark Robinson, a guy who only has one year at the position you're drafting him at, unless they plan on flipping him back to running back or something. If that's the case, then, you know, maybe that's what they're doing. Uh, the big positive, though, that I did take from Mark Robinson's tape when I was watching some of his highlights 
He isn't afraid to hit. He is a big hitter. He likes to get in there and make that aggressive tackle. He does draw some penalties. See, I've seen, I saw a couple helmet to helmet hits that he does have on his tape as well. So stuff he does need to work on. He needs to clean up his game and he just needs more experience at the backer position. And I, again, just another kind of a head scratching move, especially for a team like the Steelers, who I say, who I assume and feel drafts very, very well, considering the stability this franchise has. Then moving into that round six pick with Connor Hayward, this is another weird selection because he's a tight end, but he's not hes not a tight end. Like when you look at what he does, he okay, he's 5'11", 233 pounds. He doesn't really pass like the eye test when you look at him with like ideal body typing and whatnot. Uh, he was a running back turned H back and he's labeled as a tight end on NFL.com. So uh, this is more like a, what are you gonna do with this pick? I will say this though. It's a weird pick because what are you trying to do with a guy like this who does not really fit the mold of a few different positions here, but he is a football player. So we'll stop with the negatives here and we'll start to turn into some more positive stuff. He is a true football player. And when you watch his game tape, there's so many different scenarios of him like playing wide out, playing running back, you know, like maybe I'm assuming maybe lining up even at fullback as well, where he's making crazy catches or awesome runs. Like he might not jump off like the screen when you look at him and physically he does look a little fun, like a little interestingly proportioned, I guess I would say, but the type of tape that he has I mean, I can understand why the Steelers took this pick. I just don't necessarily know where he's going to fit in the offense when you drafted two wide receivers ahead of him. You have a really good running back. Uh, you know, I just don't know necessarily what you're going to do here. Like, I'm assuming you're set with tight end. You, you drafted Pat Fryermuth just last year. So some interesting stuff to work with here. But I, I gave this pick a C because I am intrigued by what it is, but I'm also very confused as to how he would go and fit into this offense and what kind of role he's going to carve out for himself. And then for their final day three selection, Calvin Austin III, the wide receiver out of Memphis. I gave this one a B because I do actually really like Calvin Austin. He is an awesome kind of game-breaking playmaker, the way he moves. He is very small, 5'8", 170 pounds, tiny dude, uh, someone who probably might struggle with bigger and more aggressive physical corners. But overall, 4'3", speed that not only happens in shorts, but it is shown on the field as well. It translates very, very well. He's very shifty, very quick. His moves are fast. Like, if you're not, you know, if you blink, you're going to miss what he's doing there as a corner. So you have to really make sure you're on your A game with this guy because he will make people miss or he'll just blow by you. He's that he's that quick. Uh, so he's not going to be a guy that's like 50 50 balls and going up and making those big grabs in contested scenarios. But he is definitely a guy with some potential game breaking moves. And even if he starts out just like contributing minimally as like a rotational guy with the receivers as like the number four, five, six, whatever you think he's going to be. And then also maybe a return specialist because the guy, like I said, he has moves, he has quickness and the Steelers are good at bringing in wide receivers, sticking them on special teams and developing them into wide receivers. We've seen what they've done with guys like Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown and the likes. So I like the selection for Pittsburgh. I trust Pittsburgh more than a lot of teams to develop young wide receivers that have really good skill sets into full-fledged awesome players. Excellent selection here in day three. For the overall grade of this third day, I do settle on a C minus because, like I said, I did give a D plus for both, or a D plus and a D for both round seven picks. I gave a C for Connor Hayward and Calvin Austin got the B. So, Escaping with a C minus here, average at best. Um, just I don't really love the day three selections. I love the, I'm I'm far bigger a fan of what they were doing in the first two days as opposed to this day three. Just some like 
interesting selections, some head scratching selections, and then like one selection that I really do enjoy coming out of day three. Moving into day number two now, we have George Pickens in the second round at pick number 20, and then we have DeMarvin Leal, the defensive tackle out of Texas A&M, their, their 20th pick in the third round here. Both of these selections are really good picks, I would say. George Pickens, the wide receiver from Georgia, listen, the guy is 6'3", he's 195 pounds, he could probably use a few extra pounds of muscle just to, to beef up his play strength a little bit. One thing that seems to be an issue when you talk, when you see like some of like, when you're watching his game film, not necessarily just his highlights, but when you're watching film of him, he can get out muscled at times, and I think it's just because he's a little bit thinner for a guy that's 6'3", you probably at an ideal playing weight want him around like 205, 210, but even if he's playing at like 200, 201, 202, puts on like five, six, seven pounds of muscle just to beef himself up a little bit because you don't want to take too much speed away from his game this would be a solid guy to go after there's also the concerns with his injuries most notably the ACL tear that he had in 2021 he was able to battle back and get himself back in during the college football playoff to play for Georgia and he did have a really big catch during that championship game uh, but I mean vice grip hands awesome catch radius this guy can make good moves and get himself open and, and there was a lot of plays where I'm watching through like specifically his highlights and it just seems like he's always getting behind defensive backs and he's wide open for these big catches, you know, and it's exciting to see what a guy like George Pickens is going to develop into in Pittsburgh. Like I mentioned with Calvin Austin, if I was to trust any team in the NFL with developing a wide receiver, if I was, to, if I had to pick one team to send any wide receiver to, I'd be like, you know what, send them to Pittsburgh because if there is any team that seems to know how to develop wideouts successfully and consistently year over year over year, it has got to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I feel like there are constantly guys coming out of that organization, going to other places and playing very well, or you just have guys that when they're there play at their peak and then when they go somewhere else, they tend to fall off a bit. They're not as effective because whatever system they run over there offensively seems to work very well for young wide receivers and guys with a lot of talent. Love what they do in Pittsburgh, and I think that George Pickens going to Pittsburgh is probably his best-case scenario. I gave the pick a B plus. Then when you're looking at DeMarvin Leal, the defensive tackle out of Texas A&M, when you're watching his game film, one thing I notice is that he knows how to win in multiple ways. I've seen him win pass rushes with spin moves, with bull rushes. I mean, he does a little bit of everything, so he brings some good versatility to his game, and he has really good grip strength. There was a handful of tackles that I saw him make where he's literally just reaching out and grabbing someone by the jersey and ripping them down, and if you have vice grip hands like that as a defensive tackle... That's awesome because you can catch those guys that are trying to slip through the gaps when you're playing on D and ultimately you slow things down. And when you th consider the line that he's going to be potentially playing on with players, you have Cam Hayward, Stephon Tour, and then of course TJ Watts also more so on the edges there. Tyson Alulu, another guy to look at. I mean, there's already a handful of really good guys, and I'm assuming he's probably going to play more of a rotational role unless he really starts to impress and maybe fights his way for a more starting spot or at least just like getting himself closer to like 50-50 reps or something like that. But DeMarvin Leal, I think, is going to be an impact playmaker for this defense. He is someone who could end up being a fairly effective guy, especially learning from some of the better defensive linemen in the game. Like I said, Stephon Tewitt, uh, excuse me, Stephon Tewitt and Cameron Hayward, two of the better interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and you're learning from those two guys. I mean, talk about like just like a, a like a wealth of knowledge to go off of and learn from. So excellent situation for here. And couple that with the fact that this is a guy that's 6'4", 283 pounds, and he does not look like he's 283 pounds. One thing that I noticed, because I'm watching him play, and I'm like, this guy's a defensive tackle. He looks so thin. Like, he, not thin, but like, 
He does not look like a typical big man defensive tackle, but he's making all these plays, and you can clearly see he, he plays with some strength. And then I looked at, like looked up images of him just to kind of see, and then I found out what his actual weight was, and I was like, dude, this guy is just – he's like muscle, you know? And it's maybe it's more that new age like defensive lineman that we're starting to get where guys are less body fat, more muscle, and, they're, and you know, it's starting to show up with, with some guys as we move through the years, year over year. We're getting these more like – leaner but still massive men that are playing on the interior of the D-lines. I like what this guy brings to the tape. I think he's conditioned well. I think he's going in an excellent situation to learn from some excellent players. I gave the pick a B-minus just because while they did get a defensive tackle here, as I've already said a handful of times, offensive line is a position of need, and you know I just don't seem to understand why Pittsburgh did not really address it at all going through this year's draft class. For the overall day two grade, I did slap them with a B. I think they did an excellent job in day number two, getting some really solid players. All, all that's really left for me is just the offensive line thing, and that's something that they just didn't address. And then going into day number one with their round one pick number 20 selection, they went after Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pittsburgh. Dude was literally playing his college football days right in their backyard. They knew the guy really well. And while I did peg Desmond Ritter as a guy that I thought Pittsburgh might be interested in playing in, this pick in hindsight does make a ton of sense. They've been able to watch this guy the most. They've been able to see what he brings to the table. He is the most pro-ready of the quarterbacks. When you watch his game tape, he plays with a lot of confidence. He knows what he's doing. He's going through progressions. He can make throws on the run. He can make moves with his legs and rip big runs with his legs. He can shed tacklers that are coming in for sacks. He can throw in the face of pressure. He does a lot really, really well already. One thing that I can't really stand that I hear about him, and I also hear about quarterbacks in general, and I think it's one of those things that you really only hear with quarterbacks, and I don't know why and I've never really been a big fan of the whole saying, but they're like, oh, he's a high, he's a high floor, low ceiling type of guy. Like what you're getting from him is what you're going to get as a pro. The college game, whether you're playing in a pro style system or not, is still so vastly different from the NFL. There is room for Kenny Pickett to grow and progress. I've never liked that whole high, high floor, low floor, high ceiling, low ceiling type of descriptions of things because it is such a vague and lazy way to describe people. And there's like a million different things that you can look into and really break down about an individual player as opposed to just trying to label him as a, as a high floor, low ceiling type of guy. I don't like that. I, I cannot stand hearing people cop out to that. And I myself have been guilty of using that in the past. And as I've gotten into more of like a understanding, like, cause before me doing this podcast, not a big college person. And even now still not a super big college person. I haven't really had the opportunity because of previous work and whatnot to really watch college football on the weekends. And I've now been spending more time as my schedule and life has changed around what I'm doing, that it opens things up for me to be able to do so that I've really started to like understand and uh, how to look at players and look at players efficiently and, and really kind of break down what they're doing well and what they're not doing well when you label people with the ceiling and the floor thing, I, to me, it just feels lazy now. Like, I don't like it. You need to you need to get in there. You need to look at what they do when they don't do well and just break it down. Don't sit there and, and try to limit a guy's value by saying he's got a low ceiling, but he's a really high floor and this is what you get with him. Like, no, there's room for him to improve some of his game. There are some interesting passes here and there that don't look quite good or some maybe some poor decisions. Um, and it, 
he has room to grow. You're not going to tell me that this is as good as Kenny Pickett's going to be. He's, he can't reach the next level or anything like that just because he's got small hands and he plays with gloves, which is probably my only concern about him is that he plays with gloves, not his hand size, but just the playing with gloves. And I'm not saying he's his quarterback, but if you watch the USFL, I saw Alex Magoo, his first game in the rain, playing with gloves and the ball flying out of his hands. And again, I'm not saying he's Alex Magoo, but that does kind of concern me a little bit for those rainy games. And I know that there's game tape of him playing very well in the rain. I understand that it's, but you know, one day can be different from another, but he has shown he can play even in rainy games, with the gloves. So it's even not that big of a concern, but you know, we need to see that process happen more than once. And then we can really, you know, start to feel comfortable about it. But I love Kenny Pickett. I think he landed in the best situation. I gave the pick an A minus love the guy. I think he's going to be excellent for the team. He's a six, three near 220 pound quarterback. It feels like he fits the Steelers mold up there. And, uh, he played in Pittsburgh the last four years, so you might as well just sit put in and stay put in, fit in uh, Pittsburgh. But I give him an A minus. Day one grade is an A minus since that is their only selection. I think it's an overall really good draft for the Steelers. I just you know the day three thing is kind of a head scratcher for me, and the lack of offensive line additions have really left me a little bit puzzled about the team. So my overall grade for the Pittsburgh Steelers sits at a B minus. I would just have liked to see them attack the offensive line a little bit more and maybe not take so many like project and how are we going to fit this player into our team's roles type of guys. That That's my only real criticism for the Steelers. So they do get a B minus because that day three just really, really bugs me. But like if I was just looking at day one and day two, you're looking at like a B plus grade, even closer to moon A minus potentially. But that is my draft grade for the Steelers. My Steelers fans, let me know what you guys think in the comment section down below. I appreciate you all for watching. I'll see you all in the next video. Have a good one.